Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. You know, I feel like we might have uh, seen a few more church folks come out if we had promised to serve Alka-Seltzer this morning <laughs> instead of coffee. Um, but it's good to see you all here on this new year. This is uh, one of those years where Sunday falls not only on Christmas Day, but also on New Year's. So that tends to always confuse a lot of folks and their loyalties and decisions about what to do. We, of course, decided not to meet on Sunday last week as uh, uh, Christmas landed on Sunday so that everybody had an opportunity to spend that time with their families. And today, uh, we are looking forward to 2023. There was a time in my life when I couldn't imagine anything beyond the year 2000, of course, because I grew up seeing that Prince song party like it's 1999. And I thought, that is so far away. 1999. Man, like, will I even be alive then at that point? Here we are in 2023. So today I want to talk a little bit about uh, what it means at this time of year for us to think about the future. We're going to take a look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. This is, of course, resolution season. It's when we all decide how to make our lives better in the new year, or maybe you have decided not to make resolutions. You're tired of doing that. Either way, we're going to take a look at this passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, which says this, I know that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. Seems like an appropriate passage for New Year's Day message. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity for us to gather, to worship together, to lift our prayers, our songs, to meditate on your word, to ask how you are leading us in this new year as we look forward to the things that lay ahead, good and bad. Yes, that you'd make us aware of how you are bringing your gift into our lives each and every day. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a weird time uh, to be looking forward to the future. We're entering into the third year of a global pandemic, a pandemic that disrupted all of our lives in a really powerful way for about a year and a half. This church did not meet in person for over 18 months. I teach at Cal State San Marcos. Some of you know I didn't teach a class in person for four straight semesters. This last fall was my first time back in the classroom in two years. And that was wonderful. It was an amazing opportunity to look people in the eye again and relate to them face to face after having done it over Zoom for so many semesters. I had a lot of students this semester come up to me and say, hey, I really enjoyed uh, last semester's, you know, HD 305. And I went, who are you? Right? Because teaching on Zoom is a unique experience because not only are you online, not in person, but everybody turns their camera on. So when you are the teacher teaching on Zoom, it's just a sea of blank faces. Hardly anybody even puts their picture on Zoom. It's an incredibly like disheartening experience to teach that way. So we're entering the third year of a global pandemic, and things seem to have improved somewhat. But over two full years, 
of the pandemic, 1.1 million Americans have died. 1.1 million Americans. If you total every single American who died in every single U.S. war, you would get to 1.3 million Americans killed. It took the United States 75 years of war, including the 21 years of the current conflict that we supposedly aren't engaged in anymore. 75 years of war for 1.3 million Americans to die, and less than two years for 1.1 million Americans to be killed by COVID. January 6th, two years ago, we saw something that I'm sure many folks never thought they'd see, which was a president of the United States goading insurrectionists to overturn a duly elected president. And of course, 2023 brings fears of uncertainty about the future and the possibility of recession. All of the chaos that we see happening in our world today Along with that, of course, it also brings new babies, or grandbabies, as it were, or new relationships of hope, new romances, new possibilities that are budding all the time in our future, new communities of love that maybe we have been able to join and be a part of for the first time in a very long time. Maybe new business opportunities, new jobs. This is, of course, what life is always like, and that is nothing new. It really isn't anything new under the sun. All of the chaos that we have been faced with over the past few years and all of the good things that have come along, all of that has happened before and all of that will happen again. In some ways, I think wisdom teaches us that it's not so much the good things or the bad things that affect our lives as much as it is our desire for certainty in the face of the future. Our desire to know exactly what will happen or what won't happen. Our desire to be guaranteed that God will take care of us or will somehow rescue us from difficulty when it comes along or will bless us with the good things that we need or desire or think that we deserve. The suffering, much of it really comes from that sense of uncertainty that we face when we look into a future and wonder what is gonna happen. I love that the famous psychiatrist Carl Jung once said that fanaticism is always a sign of repressed doubt. So when we look back at the few years of US history, and we see the fanaticism that has risen in politics, the fanaticism that has risen even in many communities of faith, the willingness to, to do violence in order to protect people's beliefs or traditions or values, that fanaticism can be understood as repressed doubt. The way that we react when we're uncertain about the future, when we don't know what's coming, of course, the author of Ecclesiastes, traditionally understood as Solomon, was facing much of that same uncertainty, and he set about on a quest to understand how he could relate to the world and to the future and to gain wisdom. 
And we back it up earlier in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, we find this familiar poem. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And some of you are singing the song in your heads right now. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what was planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What Solomon is doing here is looking for something to hold on to. A world of uncertainty and a world of doubt, a world that is oftentimes full of chaos, a world when our curses can't be avoided and our blessings can't be predicted. What do we hold on to in a time of uncertainty? Solomon's answer to this question is that the good things and the bad in life are very much like seasons. Winter, spring, summer, fall, you can't control them. You know that they're coming. You can see the signs of their coming. But no matter how badly you do not want it to snow, winter is coming. Whether your air conditioner is working or not, summer will be here eventually. And of course, summer and winter and spring and fall, they all bring their blessings and their curses. For the better part of about 12 years, Janelle and I lived in the Rocky Mountains in Park City, Utah, where it snows almost 400 inches a year on average, and I moved us there intentionally. <laughs> because I love the snow. I love to ski and snowboard and play in the snow. It was my greatest vocational aspiration when I was 20 years old to ski as much as possible. And so I moved us to a town where it snows 400 inches a year and soon discovered the importance of a snowblower. <laughs> and can I tell you, the first time you shovel snow or like use a snowblower, it's so fun. You know, you crank it up, it's a little like a lawnmower, right? Only it just blows snow out this way and you carve like, you know, little pathways in your yard or on your driveway or wherever it might be, it's so much fun the first time. And then when a storm comes and drops six inches and you go out and you gotta plow the snow, you're like, oh, this is so great. And then the two days later, another eight inches comes and you go out and you crank up the snowblower and you're like, oh my gosh, what? And it gets really tedious very fast. Having to start your car 30 minutes before you're leaving somebody's house so it will warm up and defrost so that you don't break your credit card on the windshield trying to scrape the ice off. Like all of that gets quite tedious. But the snow is so much fun. One of our favorite things to do when we lived in the mountains was to go snowshoeing, which is so much fun. You wouldn't know that something that is feels like it's going to kill you in the first 15 seconds 
Because, you know, it's like jogging in molasses at 7,000 feet. <laughs> uh, but it's so fun at the same time. Every season is like that. Every season has its blessings and its curses. Every season is full of opportunities to have fun and full of opportunities to be killed. <laughs> Solomon's point is, life is like that. You can't control what seasons come. You can't control when they come. You can't control how severe they will be. But you can receive it. You can receive it. This doesn't, of course, mean being complacent. There's a way to read this poem that says it doesn't matter what's going to happen. It doesn't matter what good things or bad things come along, so therefore don't bother, bother to try to change anything. Solomon isn't saying that. He's not saying be complacent. Instead, he's saying be humble. Know your limitations in a culture full of arrogance where you and all your friends are doing your best on Instagram or TikTok to convince everybody else that you have it all figured out and dialed in. Solomon is saying, be more humble than that. Acknowledge that you can't control everything that happens in life. Acknowledge that you can't be in charge of everything. Solomon isn't saying to be complacent, he's saying to be restful. Know when to stop in a culture of productivity. We are driven in our culture by endless, nonstop demands for work and productivity. In my house, between my wife and I, we have, I think, five jobs. And that is not unusual. We're not the only ones. Some of you are working endlessly. Some of you are bragging about working after retirement because you're just bored. Because for the first 65 years of your life, you were institutionalized to endless nonstop productivity. And so now you're like somebody who's been released from prison but wants to go back. <laughs> Know when to stop. Know when to rest. Enter into the biblical practice of Sabbath in your life. Solomon isn't saying to be complacent. He is, I think, above all saying to be grateful. Know that all of life is a gift. In a culture of possessions and consumption. You can't own everything. Ownership is the capitalized expression of control. We live in a culture where it isn't worth something unless you can own it. You aren't a successful someone unless you can predictably reproduce it, commodify it, and sell it so that others labor under the illusion of owning it. 
Because I don't want to freak anybody out. But you can't own anything. Not really. This building has been here for 94 years. It's been here longer than any of us. I don't think, any, some of you might look really good for your age, but I don't think any of you were born in 1928. This building has outlasted a generation of people. My first year here as the pastor, I conducted the funeral for a church member who was baptized as a 10-year-old in that baptismal. Now, legally, on paper, this congregation owns this building, but one day we will all be dead. And this place will probably still be here. The idea that we own it is an illusion. All the stuff you think you own, it's piling up in your rooms and your storage units and in the trunks of your vehicles. Someday you will die. And you got junk will come and buy it <laughs> and haul it away to their little warehouse in Carlsbad. And people like me will come and buy it <laughs> and resell it at our secondhand store at Seahive. And we will perpetuate the illusion of ownership. This is exactly. Solomon's point, by the way, and I know it's a bit depressing, but right before this passage about gratitude and gifts, Solomon says, what gain have the workers for their toil? What do you have to show for all the work you have done? He says, I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with, and he's made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of the past and the future into their minds. That's what we're doing right now. What's been going on in the past and what is coming in the future? Solomon says God has cursed us with that tendency to reflect on the past and the future. And in the meantime, we work and toil. And moreover, they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Each one of us, no matter how hard we have worked in this life, no matter how much we have strived, to be in control, to own, to succeed, to avoid the curses of life, and to hoard its blessings, no matter what we have done, we all will return to dust. It's an illusion to think that we can own the earth. The earth owns us. And to it we will all return. And so in the meantime, Solomon says this, I know that there is nothing better than to be happy and to enjoy ourselves as long as we live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all shall eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. I, I mean this sincerely. I hope that you had fun last night. I mean, not to your own detriment. <laughs> but whatever it is that you do to enjoy the company of your friends on New Year's Eve, I hope that you enjoy them. I hope you spend time with family, neighbors, and, and friends, and loved ones. 
maybe toasted with a glass of champagne or maybe a glass of sparkling grape juice if that is your preference. But I hope that you enjoyed that moment and were aware, at least for a brief moment, of all the gifts that God has given you. Because if all we do is chase after the future, then we've missed it. If all we do is reflect on the regrets of our past, then we've missed that moment of grace, that gifting. So, I'm going to do that annoying thing that we sometimes do here. I'm going to ask you to take a moment to reflect on what gifts you are resolved to enjoy this year. I don't know what your New Year's resolutions are, if you have them. But what are you resolved to enjoy this year as the gift of God? Good and bad. Because the wisdom of Solomon is that all of life is a gift. All the good and all the bad. What are the difficulties of your life teaching you? How are you receiving God's grace and the blessings and in the curses? So I actually want to give you a moment to talk to each other about that. So take about three minutes. Get together with a few people sitting around you. This is your opportunity to see if you can organize yourselves, right? And answer that question. What gifts are you resolved to enjoy this year? I'm going to give you about three minutes to share that with each other, and then we'll end with another song. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up. And I'd love to hear from two or three of you. So the question was, what gifts of God are you resolved to enjoy this year? This is, of course, your expression of being humble and your expression of being restful and your expression of being grateful. You are being humble and restful and grateful when you are resolved to stop and enjoy, even for a moment, the goodness that God has given to you. So my question is, two or three of you may be willing to share, what, what did you all talk about? Just raise your hand. I'm not afraid to call it. <laughs> you talked about how we're just temporary stewards and okay. don't really own anything that they're saying. Hey, we have a microphone for you. Thanks, Ben. We're just temporary stewards. And that feels like a gift? It's a gift. That you're just temporary stewards? How is that good? Because some people would think, that's bad. <laughs> She's like, I didn't raise my hand. Well, you feel comfortable with that because you're not attached to that. In other words, you, you might have something that you pass on to somebody else, but... You know, you, it's like you say, you don't, we don't own anything. We just have it to use in like real estate. We're just a steward of real estate until somebody else takes it over. Mm -hmm. This church, yeah. my house, yeah. you know, my car, you know, just temporary. 
So it we're sounds like this whole world's terrible. Yeah. So it sounds like you're finding freedom in that idea. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Excellent. Anybody else? What gifts are you resolved to enjoy this year? Well, we're going to ask you to use the microphone if that's okay. There you go. That way, folks online can hear. You know, like like you said, we work so many hours a week. You know, I work for FedEx. We just got that with Pete. You know, we were mandated to work six days, ten hours a day. You know, we're moving eighty thousand boxes, and um, I told my boss the other day, I said, you know what, I'm going part time. I'm, I'm coming back down to reality of I need to come home and so it, not being beat up and. And we have to sleep all day long. And, you know, miss the day, miss being with my husband. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I'm I'm only 58 years old. Today is my birthday. Hey, yeah, happy birthday! I don't need to work hard, and because we don't have any bills, you know, we acquired you know living without bills. So, um, you know, that's one thing that I resolved. I don't need to work 80 hours a week. Mm -hmm. You know, just for that, that, that dollar amount. You know, I'm going to see really neat. You know, when we moved back here from the Bay Area, we moved with all of our clothes and all of these things that we had, and we cleaned out our closets, and of all the clothes that we hadn't worn for years, you know, we cleaned all the boxes, and we went down and gave it to, you know, homeless shelters and homeless people, and we went along the beach, down the Buccaneer Park, and just opened up the back of the van and gave all our clothes away. Mm -hmm. and we hadn't worn in years. Mm -hmm. You know, just because we needed to stay alive now. But yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm definitely not going to be a part of this work, 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 work. You know, I'm more committed to God and, and, and giving my life to that. You know, dedicating more time towards God and giving than acquiring. That's good. Thank you. All right. Maybe one more. Anybody else? I think I am one up over here somewhere. Oh. Okay. Right over here. Patty. Oh, she said, oh. <laughs> um, I'm not sure we answered the, the questions okay. you asked, but we, we, the three of us, kind of decided that we need to simplify mm -hmm. because time is our gift that we're not necessarily using wisely. And we want to, if I simplify my life, it's a big, broad area trying to find ways that we can do that. Yeah, that's good. Actually, I think that really goes very well with what the other shared. I think a common theme in all of these comments is that sense of freedom. Right? One, of the, one of the gifts, one of the graces that this perspective brings is it releases you from the bondage of whatever life imposes on you. Whether that's stuff or work or uh, Pursuing success or dysfunctional relationships, whatever it might be, the need to be in control. Letting go of that sense of being in control is freedom. And if you listen carefully, what you hear in that is the gospel. The gospel comes to us in a million different forms. And this is one of them, receiving the gifts that God has for us. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you again for today, for this opportunity for us to reflect, to read the words of Ecclesiastes and to find wisdom there. Maybe gain a perspective 
on freedom and humility and the goodness that you bring into our lives despite the season we might be going through. We ask as we look forward to this year that you would cultivate in us an awareness of your grace in our lives each and every day that we would receive the gifts that you have for us in our relationships of love and in communities of belonging and in the good things that you've given. Teach us to be good stewards of those things. In Jesus' name. Thursday, the first of the month. Our book this month is Living Buddha, Living Christ by Thich Nhat Hanh, who just recently died in 2022. He's a uh, very renowned Buddhist monk and wrote a book kind of on the Buddhist tradition and the Christian tradition, how they kind of intersect and merge and complement each other. So I'm really looking forward to that. I hope you can come to that. Next is our night of prayer for Christian unity. This is a night of songs and prayers for Christian unity that's going to include clergy and congregants from eight North County churches. This is a really exciting event that uh, Jason's been working really hard on with other clergy members in the area. So we're really excited about that Thursday, January 19th at 6.30 p.m. Next is our Roots class. We haven't had one of these in a little bit, so we're excited for this. It's going to be Saturday, January 21st, 9 a.m. to 12. And this is kind of our intro class uh, for anyone who's new or anyone who wants a little refresher on what's going on. And last but not least, the moment you've all been waiting for, or at least what I've been waiting for, yeah, let's get a drum roll. Reach our goal with a grand total. That's huge. Thank you all so much. We surpassed our goal of $35,000. This is so big. We could not do any of this without you. So thank you. Thank you to all of you online as well. So may the gift of God go with you this week, and may the peace of God be with you. All right. See you next week, everyone.